Welcome to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 81. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Sam Hargreaves. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be dissecting the classic song, Amazing Grace, reviewing May's Hero Songs Challenge, hearing from Gemma, Grace and Geraldine on that other podcast, and setting a new challenge for June. Hi, Joel. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm all right, thank you. It's birthday day in our house today, not mine, but Huck's. Aww. Um, so that's nice. Happy birthday, Huck. Happy birthday, Huck. Special birthday breakfast he was allowed to choose. Yeah. He chose spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. Mm. Um, what have you been up to, Sam? Well, I did a thing for Arosha, mm-hmm. the uh, Environment Christian Charity, uh, around climate grief, which is a jolly subject. But they're basically asking, you know, how do we respond? How do we help our congregations respond to yeah not just kind of you know it's good to have hope it's good to be active but also to say there are things you know that we should be lamenting uh, around how we've treated the environment so I used a lot of doxicology songs and of course yeah um the the thing is up on the engage website now the the zoom they recorded it and there's a couple of other great speakers and so it's worth checking out if you want to have a look at that cool how about you uh, I finished my Christian Aid song with Matt Yay. Weeks. That was really fun. We did all the bells and whistles production. I think it's just, did I say this last time? I think it's 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 possibly the most sort of CCM sounding song I think we've produced with Rizan. It's just <laughs> and and it's sort of ironic that it's with Christian Aid, which is is a um, not on the forefront of uh, the uh, of that end of the church things. Um, so that's kind of cool. We'll play that at the end of the uh, podcast. It's really good, Joel. It's excellent. Oh, thank you. Yeah, really Thanks good. Thanks very much. Um, I've been making some plans to take Doxicology on tour. Woo woo! So we obviously couldn't go on tour. We didn't, I say on tour. It sounds a little fancy, doesn't it? We're not right big touring people. But when we do a new album, it's nice to go and do some some shows, some concerts, because we get to share the songs and sing them with people. We couldn't do it last autumn, um, and which was a shame, because it would have coincided nicely with COP26, which was going to be last autumn, autumn, the UN Climate Change Summit. Yeah. But obviously because of COVID and so on, everything got delayed. So COP26 is now running in the first um, 12 days of November, and we are going to go on tour during that. So I've been... Um, putting out feelers with churches say who wants us to come bring doxicology and we'll talk about stuff that's involved and and sing the songs and so on and I've been absolutely overwhelmed by um, enthusiasm for us to come which is really exciting so we and we're also doing our best to see if we can get to Glasgow as well which is where sorry Glasgow which is where the cop thing is happening Um, so yeah that's really fun and kind of looking forward to it but it's going to be something on a bigger scale than we've done before in terms of a sort of musical tour so are you doing it all uh, by like cycle rickshaw in order to keep your co2 yeah basically yeah basically and just put up a flat uh, a sail and whichever way the wind <laughs> takes us i think there's i think there's a principle in um seriously 
because <laughs> I've been prepared for this. Like you're touring around, isn't that bad for the environment? But there is a sort of principle in environmentalism that you use the systems that are there in order to achieve the things that you want to achieve. Um, anyway, uh, so for example, taking flights to do good stuff is is all right. But we're not taking flights. So we will. Do I looked into electric vans. It turns out it's very hard to hire an electric van, and even if you do, you have to charge it up every sort of sixty miles or something. <laughs> so we're thinking we might try and steal an Amazon van um, by just sort of confusing. Maybe turn the numbers on our house upside down to confuse the driver, and then <laughs> jump in, <laughs> drive off with all the stuff. So if you see an Amazon van turning up at churches around the country, um, but also. When it comes to this sort of thing, you know, you've got a band of musicians. Um, it's actually quite expensive to do because, you know, to do this takes a, a full day of someone's time yeah. every day to do a couple of hours in the evening yeah. as we travel around. So in order to pay people properly, it's quite an expensive business. Mm. But also it's quite difficult. You know, it becomes quite a big charge for churches up front. And we're sort of keen not to do that. So I am running on 100 miles with my friend Nick. In fact, I'm guide running 100 miles cool. in September in a 100-mile race. Um, and uh, I'm asking people if they'll sponsor me. And I'm hoping by doing that, I can raise a big chunk of the of the cash that we need oh, to, to do this thing. Yeah, so that's pretty exciting, pretty fun. Dissect a classic. Our classic for this month is Amazing Grace. Have you heard of it, Sam? Amazing. Yes, I believe I have. It's relatively well known. <laughs> Can we finally put to bed this thing about a Stone Cold classic and say this is actually a Stone Cold classic? Yeah. Literally nobody anywhere can deny it. Interestingly, it wasn't a Stone Cold classic in Britain for quite a long time after Newton wrote it, was it? No, uh, certainly not in, in Newton's lifetime. It was it was just one song in a book, wasn't it? It was it wasn't. Uh, um... In the Olney Hymnal. Yes. I think it's wonderful. I love this thing about Newton and Cowper, mm. William Cowper, the other hymn writer. They're like sort of the Lennon and McCartney of, <laughs> of hymn writing. Well, I just, yeah. How amazing to yeah. have those two together. Exactly. And it may have been one of the last hymns that Cowper heard because um, Newton says that he, because he, he, he was for a sermon on New Year's Day uh, and Cowper came to that service and then he Stop, you know, he got ill and stopped coming to church after that and, and died. So it may have been the last hymn that Cowper sang. <gasps> yeah. Oh, wow. Gosh, that's that's really powerful. And we don't know what the original tune of it was, do we? We don't no. know what they sang it to. No. It certainly wasn't to the tune that we know Absolutely it to. Absolutely not, no. Um, but now is the most recorded song ever, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? So I think you can say Stone Cold Classic about this. And, and I think not... you can. I was looking up people who'd recorded it, you know, all the usual suspects like Elvis and Aretha and Whitney and so on. The Royal Scots Dragoon Guards, they actually had a number one in the UK uh, with it. Um, uh, Veggie Tales have done a version. <laughs> um, I was disappointed to find there isn't a William Shatner version and I really thought they might oh, be. I, I do like to find a William Shatner version of songs. <laughs> the, the bagpipe one, that's my, my father-in-law has a, his kind of dream is that he would learn the bagpipes and then stand on the silo on his farm oh. and, and play Amazing Grace out over the fields. So we did buy him this. You can, for bagpipes, you can buy this little <laughs> practice pipe. That basically, yeah. if you learn the practice pipe and master yeah. that, then you can go on. Then to, you can do the. Yeah, the but he, he never thing. mastered yeah. the practice pipe. But uh, that is his dream. Oh, 
Oh, that's really that's really not. I can picture that. I know your father-in-law's farm, and that would be that would be wonderful and, and sort of bizarre. <laughs> yes, <laughs> really nice. Um, so, it's written by John Newton, and um, according to the Dictionary of American Hymnology, they call it an autobiography in verse, mm. which I think is really it's very apt, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, tell us a bit about that. You know a bit about the, the story and. and yeah, the story it tells. Well, I, I've got this Steve Turner book um, called Amazing Grace, and Steve Turner is an amazing writer. He's got this kind of journalistic ability to kind of really dig in. So he's written books about Johnny Cash and the Beatles and other people, but he the book is so thorough. And basically, yeah, this Newton's story is that he basically had this life of kind of debauchery, and you know he was a slave trader, and he got into all sorts of trouble, and uh, and then. He was on one particular ship called uh, the Greyhound uh, and he was reading Thomas Aquinas and starting to think, you know, <laughs> having sort of completely rejected Christianity, he was starting to think, oh, maybe there's something in this. And then the Greyhound uh, goes through this massive storm. I think it's like 36 hours or something of storm. Yeah. And, uh, and basically Newton kind of goes, oh, gosh, I am an awful, awful person. And if God mm. if God saves me from this, it will be pure grace, basically. And it's still, it's not really a conversion. It, it's described as like, he kind of goes, I'm not sure if I believe this, but I'm going to act as if I believe it at that yeah. point. And that kind of begins his, the sort of the building of his faith. But yeah, that, that sense of grace and all these lines about, you know, grace first taught my heart to fear is purely, as you say, autobiographical. It's that sense of like, I had to learn what it meant to be fearful and what it meant to be um, your contrite of the life that he'd lived before. Yeah. And then, of course, grace, his fears relieved. That's in that verse, which has the word grace three times, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's grace, grace, grace. It's grace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's, a, of course, there's this sort of myth that he wrote it almost as a... Um, as a confession of his slave trading, but that's actually not true. The, the chronology doesn't stand okay. up to that. Um, yeah. he, he he becomes a Christian. He then continues to be, a, in fact, becomes a slave captain and then yeah. eventually becomes a vicar. And then eventually, even a long time after that, uh, has a f friendship with uh, Wilberforce and eventually comes around to the abolitionists. But that was very much later in his life. So the writing right. of this hymn doesn't reflect him turning away from slavery so there's there's you know a lot of tensions there because the song ended up being used in the civil rights movement and as a yeah. african spiritual and stuff but actually the the original nexus of it was was not was not out of that kind of contrition that's amazing so it has these um well six verses doesn't it six six original verses yeah. but it tends to be known more common certainly in the britain more commonly but with three verses plus this extra verse which which first turned up in uncle tom's cabin yeah um the what's known as this floating stanza which is a from the hymn what's the hymn called? it's called or a poem or something called the new Jer what's it called something, sure. jerusalem my happy home okay which has about 70 verses oh, wow. it's just one of them yeah and it's um and it's from a completely different culture and culture and tradition i mean it's from a more um uh, I think I'm right in saying this. Someone will now write in and tell me I'm wrong. Um, from that that verse, from more of a African spiritual, African American spiritual okay. tradition. Yeah. That's then been attached to um, 
to these words written by a clergyman in well, yeah. he's in London, I think, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, England, and actually, yeah. when you look carefully at them, we'll look in a minute. You, you, you can see a completely different character to the writing yeah. in that in what has become that final verse. Yeah, and it's just. I don't know about you, Joel, but if I'm looking for a hymn that sort of spans across ages and denominations and it just feels like a, a kind of a really easy win in a, you know, an ecumenical setting or a kind of mm. gathering across different ages and, and, and backgrounds, you, you feel like everyone's going to be able to kind of latch onto it. Yeah, it's so incredibly well known, perhaps the most recorded song in the world. Um, and it has this tune which it didn't have like mm. lots of hymns they're not necessarily stuck with a particular tune it would have been published probably in in the only hymnal without music yeah. just as a yeah. verse and then it often wasn't particularly included in british hymn books or even collections of newton's work in fact i think there was a collection of newton's work taken over and published in the u.s and it wasn't even included in there because <laughs> it didn't seem all that important but it got caught hold of and eventually put together a chap called William Walker mm. set it to the tune New Britain mm. which is was a tune that was sort of circulating in the shape note tradition yeah. and I'm not going to try and explain what shape note is, we'll <laughs> have to get someone from the south Yeah, absolutely, we'll get, that could be um, a really good episode It would be a really good episode yeah. <gasps> and then we do a shape note yeah, I, I'm not even going to speculate. I've got a vague <laughs> idea, but I know it has a lot to do with melodies, with vocal melodies. Mm. Uh, the idea of trying to for congregation communal singing. Yeah. Um, and so here's a melody which is really singable. It gets attached to it, and at that point, somehow something magic happens, mm. um, and this thing really takes off. And it's not until later, sort of late Victorian times, I think, that it kind of finds its way back across the Atlantic yeah. to begin to become popular in in Britain again. Yeah, and then as we said, that you know the being used in the civil rights movement and then becoming a kind of pop song as well as um yeah you know judy collins pop you know version in the, in the charts and things and then it just really seeps into the public consciousness and i suppose i mean it, in some ways this is getting on to critique but there is there is almost a kind of there's clearly christian theology in here but it doesn't yeah. talk about jesus it doesn't talk about the trinity mm. it's it's got it's almost got a kind of universal appeal that goes beyond Simply, you know, you can imagine it being used in, you know, funerals of people who may not have believed or those kinds of things. And actually, people can kind of yeah. associate with it. Well, come on, let's jump in. Keep going. Well, let's give us the give us your specifics. OK, good stuff. Well, the good stuff. I, I found this um, really good quote um, about Newton uh, in, in the Steve Turner book. He says, Newton's hymns were created specifically for the people of only in mind. Many of them were illiterate, working as labourers, carpenters, blacksmiths, lace makers and small traders. Explaining his approach, he wrote, there is a style and manner suited to the composition of hymns, which may be more successfully or at least more easily attained by a versifier than by a poet. They should be hymns, not odes, if designed for public worship and for use for the plain people. And so he's, he's kind of saying, I'm not trying to write complex poetry here i'm trying to write something that is immediately understandable you know he'd had this checkered life where he met all sorts of people and he you know his his congregation he knew needed something fairly plain i mean there's certainly poetry in this yeah but it's a very easily understandable poetry and the things that get set up immediately get resolved i was lost i am found i was blind now i see you know the yeah. any any metaphor any simile is is immediately kind of made plain to you um, and so I think that is one of its, you know, real strengths is that it has this immediate 
sense. And whereas so many hymns that we know, you know, from history are quite dense, often feel yeah. people feel the need to update them or to, to tweak things because nobody understands the language anymore. This one has just got that immediately kind of grabbing uh, and, and a grabbing message, I think, as well, of, of salvation, of, of grace, of, um, you know, that so many people can relate to. And, and that, that then, you know, unless you include, you know, some of those floating stanzas or, you know, some of the slightly odder stuff that comes towards the end of the hymn, it does really follow through on that sense of, hey, once I was this and, and God yep. has saved me by, you know, pure grace alone. I'd actually made a note about the, um, if you take the first verse, it's got the word amazing, which which is sort of, it's quite a, um, that's a, that's a strong word to come in with at the yeah. beginning. But after that, it's all just single syllables. Grace, how sweet, mm, the sound mm. that saved a wretch like me, I once. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and actually writing something, I mean, that would be a fascinating challenge to try. I don't think we should do it. It's like kind of one-touch football, uh, <laughs> try and write one-syllable yeah. um, songs. But that it's so accessible, It's so, and it grabs you. There's something about a whole series of short words, like Churchill used to say, mm. that is, it, it sort of just lets it speak without being without being clever. And I, I, you're absolutely right. And it never occurred to me, you're right, no one tries to update this one, no. apart from writing a chorus. Writing a chorus, maybe dropping a verse here and there, or <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I suppose the other thing is musically, it really feels to me like it's so basic. You know, it's pentatonic, short lines. The the, the harmony is very straightforward, at least you know the, the sort of most basic harmony. But then it becomes like a canvas that you can just do almost anything with. You feel like you could do this song in virtually any musical style and it will work, you know. So you can do the Chris Tomlin kind of rock version or you can do a very classical version or you can do a jazz version. And it it never feels, to me anyway, like, you know, that you've done something weird with it. It it always feels like this is very sort of almost, almost like a nursery rhyme style tune. Yeah, yeah. That then is so um, adaptable to any circumstance. Well, it's a folk melody, isn't it? Mm. And I think that's the thing. I mean, apparently it came from two different melodies that kind of got amalgamated together, but it was a, a, a melody which grew out of a folk singing tradition, ultimately, in, in, in the final form. And those melodies are, are like that, aren't they? They're, yeah. They don't rely on the harmony, actually, generally. It works yeah. as a melody in itself. There's a really interesting feature in this that I think we've mentioned it before, that all bar one of the strong notes in the melody are part of the harmonic series. Yeah. So the you kind of notes one, five, and one, five, one, and three, you know, yeah. that, that kind of series. And so you get do, this is five, one, mm. three, one, five, mm. one. Three, five. Mm. You've got to fill in the little gaps. Mm. Five, three, one, six. Yeah, yeah. One, five, three, one. Yeah, that's right, isn't yeah. it? I think I've got those right. I think so. And, and that's how... I mean, it is so stable. All that though, It's all just built on this series. So then the movements between it... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you could You could basically sing the whole thing over a... A one chord one drone, couldn't you? And it would, yes, it would, and it would always fit work perfectly. Yeah. 
And it actually means it will fit, because it's those notes, it will actually fit over all kinds of chords and make quite nice versions of chords, even if you yeah. if you substitute any of the main chords in the key. Yeah. They'll generally, generally fit the tune. Yeah. And for 12 Song Challenge people, you know, Newton challenged himself to write a hymn every week for his sermon. Did he? So rather than 12, <laughs> he's doing like a 52 song challenge oh gosh next year yeah and you know we'll do the newton challenge totally but maybe you know again that's that's another thing isn't it that he was constantly you know working at his craft yeah and he never knew in his lifetime that this particular hymn would would get you know the way it did but he was you know he was serving his local community and he was putting out lots and lots of hymns uh and it ultimately you know it's it's had a huge impact I find that so powerful that it never took off in his lifetime. That sort of thing, I mm. I almost can't get my head around it. Yeah. It's sort of wonderful but sad yeah. but wonderful, yeah. isn't it? Um, I, I also feel a little bit with this, like... Uh, I mean, you could find all kinds of highbrow podcasts on books and everything else talking about this hymn because mm. it is packed with history. It's been analysed left, right and centre. Yeah. So Sam and I have had a little a little bash at it, but if you want some serious stuff, I should think there is a oh, lot of it out there yeah. that you can go and dig out. Can I, can I pick out a um, a weakness? Yeah, if I may. Do it. Well, it's the, the weak. Well, is it a weakness? It's, it sort of is. Like if, in the form that it's most commonly sung, I think this is right. It is most commonly sung in, in the UK church, which tends to be with these four verses. Mm. E- even though I think in hymns ancient and modern it has the six, so maybe it's in certain traditions. But in my tradition, yeah, these four verses, which is the first three, and then this extra stanza, the leap in the style of language from the first three verses into <laughs> when we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. I mean, the grammar is terrible. <laughs> so it uses <laughs> like you can contract weave when we have been, when we've been there. That's all right. But we've no less, as in we have, we possess no less. That's a terrible contraction to have in poetry. <laughs> and then it's not less, it's fewer. We have no fewer days. <laughs> not less days. It's not 10 items or less. And then when we first began. <laughs> I think I've just overloaded something there. My 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 inner Toby Ziegler took over there, and that uh, yeah. So the grammar is terrible, um, uh, and that's I should just leave it at that. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, and and then if we're going to be, I mean, that's an eschatological statement, isn't it? But you've also got that verse that a lot of people drop, but I think Chris Tomlin included about that the earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear yeah. to shine. Which um, I have big problems with, you know, the, you know, I guess it's how you treat your new heavens and new earth theology. But I think not pointing out that God is then going to remake the earth, uh, I, I feel it's a very, it's, it's, it's going towards a kind of Gnostic, um, you know, we're just going to float off to heaven. That, would, that bothers me. I think you are a, a, a neo-Thomist. Am I? Yeah, I think the original Thomists were Thomas Aquinas people adherents to his, but to to the Thomas Wright, I think you're the <laughs> yeah yeah oh, yeah absolutely adherent yeah. to the Thomas Wright yeah. Um Well, John Newton, I mean, thank you. What a song! It's been an incredible, exceptional, extraordinary bumper month in the 12 Song Challenge doing our hero songs. We'll get really stuck into reviewing those in a minute when Andy joins us. Um, but Sam, there are 
couple of things came up in conversation on Slack and on Facebook that would just be worth saying a quick word about. One of the was sort of the question of congregational. What do you mean by congregational? People get a little bit hot under the collar and sometimes annoyed by the idea of congregational, yeah. as if it's restricting yeah. or uh, whatever it might be. But I think we are we're committed to congregational in this challenge. So let's just try and give a a loose and a loose but helpful enough definition of what we might mean by that. Yeah. So I think what it doesn't mean uh, is that the song has to be a certain style. So it doesn't mean that it needs to be sounding like Chris Tomlin or sounding like a hymn or sounding like Iona Community or whatever. What we mean is, uh, at least what I mean is, it's been written to be sung by a group. Mm. So it's not kind of soloistic. There's a, a certain predictability to the melody uh, you should be able to pick it up fairly quickly without huge amounts of practice or trained singing. I think that's musically what we mean. And then I think sort of lyrically, theologically, it needs to be kind of agreeable by yeah. the group. And of course, you know, you might say, well, I'm writing for my church and my churches will be happy with this kind of lyric, which is fine. But I think that's different to something which feels very personal or something which is a bit divisive or you know something which, yeah, is is, uh, yeah, a kind of song that you know you it'd be perfectly fine to write for yourself or to write as a performance, but congregation needs to own the song lyrically. I think. Yeah, I think that's really good. Yeah, so it's for them to sing, and and I the thing I like to say sometimes is sort of it need it should need the congregation to sing. Yeah. That you know, more than just even just for them, but if they don't sing, that should that should the song should be poorer for it yeah. um, because of that. Yeah, I think that's great. We we really do not want to propose a style um, at all. It's just it's silly, isn't it? Um, there was also some discussion about production, and um, you know, in this particular challenge, we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, you know, people spent quite a bit of time doing clever things to sound like they're heroes and so on, but it can actually be quite intimidating. If production is not your thing, hmm. um, and so I, I think we just want to try keep trying to reinforce this thing that uh, it's it's just it's just not important at all. It's sort of fun if you can do it. I mean, somebody said, why don't we all just write songs in the way that we write songs? And if our approach is to do heavy production, the other approach is to sing into our phone, then we all do that, which I think is great. But um, I want to just encourage, I suppose, the people who think, oh, but I can't do any of that stuff, that, that it just doesn't matter. I mean, we, we, we can all tell a song. We, we get a song without all the bells and whistles. Yeah. But sometimes it's helpful, if, if you've got those skills, it's helpful in your process because you just get to create. So for this month, I recorded the piano first and then I played around with some different melodies. So I multi-tracked it because of that, but otherwise I wouldn't necessarily have needed to do it. Yeah, it did. It certainly led to a much wider range of sounds, a sort of palette of sounds that people were picking from this month to be able to do that. But maybe everyone should at least challenge themselves occasionally to write something where it's very stripped back and the demo yeah. is stripped. Or, you know, at least uh, someone said, you know, often trying to present it in a stripped back f version first. Yeah. Because then people, you know, can, can see it without the bells and whistles. But. We don't want to restrain people's creativity in that way. No. But, yeah, that's good. It's a challenge. A, a challenge could be don't do all the production. That could be yeah. part, of, part of the challenge, couldn't it? And then, um, finally, I was just... 
There's a lot going on. I mean, there are so many songs. And we've done some stuff for this month to, to change up the dynamic a bit. We're going to see how that works. But um, one little piece of encouragement is uh, try and keep the comments relatively short. You know, write the <laughs> essay, draft it somewhere else, then see if you can edit it down to a short paragraph because it really helps when we're kind of picking our way through. So, so just have that in mind. Otherwise... Um, yeah, and and generally digressions, I think, are better on the Facebook group. I know yeah. not everyone is on the Facebook group, but yeah. the Facebook group works well when it's being used for. Oh, this wasn't quite on the topic, and it's not quite a critique of or an encouragement about a song. But hey, can we chat about this? That's great on the Facebook group. I feel like the Slack we ought to just be a little bit, you know, needing to be focused. Brilliant. And here's Andy Clark. Andy. Hi, Joel. Hi, Sam. Andy. All right, mate. Good. It's good to be back on uh, my second favourite podcast. Oh, what? So, what? No. What? Joking. Joking. How, where's, the off button? where's the end call button? <laughs> 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 like kick him out of reserve. Great to see you. Andy is what is Forum Uncle for the. Yeah. Um, uh, it's strangely related to Forum Dad and Mum and the rest of it. I don't know it's a strange works. family. This is a strange family, but it's a beautiful yeah. family, and we're all strange families in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's just talk for a minute about this whole hero songs challenge i want to kick off by saying oh my hasn't it brought out creativity it's just like someone yeah. turned on the creative tap and couldn't work yeah. out how to switch it off again it was insane there's there almost a intimidating number of songs and intimidating amount of quality mm. it was so just ridiculously strong um across across the board um yeah i found this time, I was I really wanted to click on people's songs and listen because I was so intrigued every time. Mm-hmm. I'd read it and you'd see who the hero was. You'd think, oh, I've got to hear this. I've yeah. got to hear that one. So I think yeah. I went through a lot more songs than I than I normally would. Um, and we've already talked, haven't we, about how for some people it meant sort of up, upping the production levels a bit to try to sort of emulate mm-hmm. a sound to try and fi- get into the sound of something. But it was also I really appreciated the way. Um, some people clearly took inspiration but didn't just mimic so still it just sounded like them so i liked mm-hmm. what matt weeks did one which was um it's it, he was inspired by paul simon but really he wrote a weeksy song and mm. and i thought that was i thought that was really good just on matt on matt's yeah it just it just had this kind of gorgeous chords and melody over these beautiful words like his chords I've never seen so many numbers and letters <laughs> next to next to chord. You know it's going to be good when there's almost more lyrics in the chord line than there are on the actual words. Yeah. Did you notice that for some reason Sam and I both chose the same Bible story to write a, so- to write a song about? That was mad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We both did Lazarus. Um, Sam did Michael Kiranuka does Lazarus. <laughs> These lovely long notes and. Um, I did Billy Joel as Lazarus with crazy piano, <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah. And and the thing I found, I, so I did my sort of Billy Joel takeoff, which sounded quite like a Billy Joel song. And I thought, well, this is all very well, but it's not a lot of use to me. What <laughs> if I now take this song and say, I'll use this as the basis to write another song that's more me, that, that mm. feels more. And I ended up writing a song which was very me and probably a song I've written before. But it, I think that was an important process. I'd love to encourage some people with what they wrote this time to yeah. take it and say, OK, 
now call that the seed and see what you could write out of it. And I think... Um, yeah. Could, I, I never like to settle for, oh, yeah, it's not very congregational. I like to think, <laughs> okay, well, that's fine, and I've got that version, but mm-hmm. what, what other options have I got? What could I do with it? Yeah. And especially the more it feels like a pastiche, I think. Because a lot of people do brilliant kind of pastiches. You go, oh, yeah, that's so clearly, you know, that person. But then take it one step further in sort of making it your own. That feels important as well. Yeah. That's tricky. I think for those of of us who kind of see the 12 Song Challenge as like a, just like an artistic exercise rather than, you know, kind of actually trying to write something for your congregation, that's an extra challenge, isn't it? That's like 12 Song Challenge plus. Yeah. For, for me, I have to confess a lot of the time, I'm like, great job done. Yeah. <laughs> I can chill out now for the rest of the month. Well, me too. But, I just managed to yeah. get done quite early this time, so I was able to have another stab. But you know, you know, yeah. a lot of the time I show up with one verse, and that's all I've got, <laughs> all I've got to show for it. You did Radiohead, didn't you? Which I was did. a surprise. Okay, <laughs> can you believe it? I was going to go for the Spice Girls, but at the last minute I changed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I said on my, on my song comment on Slack, I feel like every song that I write that's a worship song I'm trying to hide my inner Tom York <laughs> so I, I love I did two actually um and I ended up pursuing one that was basically a no surprises um ripoff and I kind of thought oh, you know if, if Radiohead if Tom York was to write a, um, a worship song what would he be well it would probably be, would be you know gosh I feel isolated I feel different I feel so disconnected from everyone you know where are you god you say you're there but mm. you know where, where are you um one of the one of the one of their songs called there there is has got a, a line so just because you feel it doesn't mean it's there mm. and i reversed that and i kind mm. of I, I wrote um i cannot feel you but i know you're there yeah. so i kind of changed changed that around and i thought yeah i, I, had, I had lots of fun lots of fun great well let, let's jump in then on some stuff that um that people wrote i mean we we <laughs> could do a sort of 12 hour podcast now there was yes. so many good songs but we can't so we're just going to pick a few and we don't you know there might be a, a dozen better ones and whatever but we're just going to pick a few so what have you got for us andy well first of all i think it'd be really nice to there were a few people who who also went down the tom york radio head route and so i was really interested to see what they did and, and how differently they approached it so first um, I've got to pick out Andrew and Leslie Davis. Mm-hmm. They they did the went down the Radiohead route, um, and again they really tried to capture that isolation that runs through so much of, of Radiohead's music. Uh, you know that Christian notion of in the world but not of the world. Mm. Um, they called their song "Alien." I think or "Aliens." I think it was brilliant. The out of this world, you've set us apart. Um, it has those lovely kind of minor, major modulations that. Mm like jar in standard pop music but in that kind of prog rock indie kind of style that they were going for they it works really well Mm. Um, I I thought that was really really good song Another standout which came to me was from Ben, Ben Gibbons. 
uh, Gibbons. Um, he's done a wonderful um, Damien Rice inspired song. I love Damien Rice. I'm mm, such a fan of his, his mm. O album. And a couple of signature things, you know, that high capoed guitar, um, gentle strumming, kind of dry and emotive vocals. They were really like, um, his lyrics were really gentle and quite vulnerable. And also the music reflected that well. I thought that was brill. He did have one line, which bless him, he went back and he changed, which was, he said, my falling shorts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which I And bless him, it's this gorgeous, emotive style. And then all of a sudden I just saw someone with their trousers falling Suddenly down. Suddenly his pants down. <laughs> Well, does does that not relate? Did he write that out of Joel's experience of going for a jog in his boxer shorts? Uh, we haven't we haven't mentioned that. We haven't mentioned that on the show. I I may have accidentally gone for a run in my pants um, the other day without thinking I'd put my shorts on. I'd I'd love to say we've all done it, but I don't think we have. So sorry, John. <laughs> Um, um, anyways, but then he, he went back and he refined that lyric yeah. and um, tweaked it and also got some really lovely input from Keiko and from, from Rachel Wilhelm and they've helped him with this new recording of it and it's just beautiful. Um, it is beautiful. 12 yeah. Song Challenge royalty rocked up to yes. contribute, which is really yeah. wonderful. Yeah, they did. With you I've also got a comment on a song by Hannah, Hannah Hodges. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, she did a Taylor Swift inspired song and it's just totally beautiful. Gorgeous lyrics and melody and just has tons of emotion packed in as well. She added this, um, I'm sure we'll hear it on the recording, but like a rain, rainfall kind of backdrop to a song. And I, th I, th I asked her if you know if this was like a Taylor Swift Thing. And she said, no, it just was raining when she wrote it. And she thought it, had, it added to the, to the thing. But it added to this kind of sense of, it's kind of positive melancholy, which is, is beautiful. And um, Taylor Swift writes a lot of narrative songs and Hannah embraced this by singing about a song which was personal to her church. Mm. I, I thought that was really, really good. Awesome. Um, yeah, looking back at what God's done and seeing his work, even if you're in the midst of sadness and uncertainty and... Yeah, rainfall. It was lovely.
Um, I also want to pick out a um, song by Chloe, Chloe Rose. Mm -hmm. She went for a Coldplay, mm. um, Coldplay approach, and she really just nailed the Coldplay vibes. You know, we've got them kind of semi-distorted guitar riffs, strong piano lead, signature intro melody, rousing bridge, and it also sounds like a modern worship song. That's, no, I think that's... that... <laughs> You beat me to it. <laughs> because all modern worship teams are trying to be like Coldplay, right? And they have been for 20 years. And, they're, they're yeah. and actually they still are, because Coldplay have gone a bit electronic. And now yeah. modern yeah. worship... So it's just basically, yeah. we just track Coldplay and we'll yeah. probably be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she, she nailed the brief. You know, it was something singable, really singable and worshipful, yet did, she did a really good job in kind of following in Chris, the Chris Martin uh, approach to... Right. See the song, so she, she's she did a great, great effort. So I've got to mention Rob and Ruth Sutherland. So whenever I think of Ruth and Rob, yeah. I'm always brought back to the songwriting retreat concert mm -hmm. a couple of years ago where they did a mashup of Sweet Child of Mine and Away in a Manger. <laughs> for those of you who weren't there, it was as awesome as it sounds. It was. So, it was incredible. So they did a, a Ronnie James Dio-inspired rock worship song, and it's just fantastic. So they fully embraced that genre, which... You know, we don't hear very much in Christian music, you know, mm. as we've just talked about, loads of worship teams and CCM is all about the kind of soft rock, Coldplay approach. Um, but it's not just the music, though. The, the lyrics are really on point with the genre, so mm. really apocalyptic, revelation imagery. Um, but the chorus is just so <laughs> singable. It's, it's brilliant. If you've not heard it yet, you've got to, you've got to listen. It's very on trend, isn't it, after Eurovision? Rock is yeah, the new black. True. I've got to say, I, I'm not a Eurovision watcher. Are you not? It was <laughs> no. brilliant. Uh, uh, fair enough. And I quite understand why, because it's not normally brilliant, or hasn't been for a long time. But <laughs> it was It was like, I don't know, like everyone's had nothing else to do for a year, so they've just written good songs. Decent songs, and yeah. a dozen of them could have won in any other year. It, yeah. was, it was that good. Except for yeah. that Italian one that won. It's completely forgettable. I thought. Anyway, Iceland. Iceland all the way for me. Look yeah, it up. Look up cool. the Iceland entry. Uh, Rihanna said the moment it came on, and I said, oh, 
I like this. She said, I knew you'd like this. This is so <laughs> kind of geeky Euro Scandi pop. It's kind of I don't know why. Great. Anyway, we digress, but we will yeah. do we will do a Eurovision themed month one one day. <laughs> and, and Andy will play a Joker. And you just have to write like you're from a different country. I love it. I, love it. I also yeah, like that we had this thing going on on Facebook. Uh, I thought I know who will talk about this with me, so I put something on Twelve Song Challenge. And after a while, yeah. a couple of Americans sort of came in at the end going. Uh, what's going on here? What are you, what are you all talking about? Uh, is Will Ferrell in it? No. Fantastic. Um, I've got one. I've got one that I want to mention as well, and that's to Mark Willoughby. Mm. And he has. I, mean, I can only describe it as a vocal extravaganza. So he's done. I'm not familiar with his hero, so I can't really comment on it. But um, there's just several lines running over each other in um, not just melodic harmony, but. Uh, rhythmic harmony as well and it's in 5-8 so what's not to like oh. it's just so creative and you know he didn't go to town on, on production despite having all these different tracks he just recorded them just essentially it sounded like into his phone and just, on, just laid that on top yeah. of each other in, in a mm. DAW and then it was just brilliant I'd love to see a church attempt to sing that they probably could Praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise Him. Praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise Him. Praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise Him. Praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise Him. Praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise Him. Praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise Him. Praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise Him. Praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise the Lord Almighty, praise Him. Jesus reigns. Let all earth adore him, sing his praise, he's Lord of all, endless songs, declare hallelujah. Oh Andy, thank you, what a fantastic set, we said already, I mean, we just could have featured so many, it's like... Yeah, Eurovision took off this year, and so did the June challenge. <laughs> There's something in the water. Sam, did you have any yeah. uh, anything that you want to give an honourable mention to? Yeah, just wanted to shout out Stephen Tilson, who did a Bell and Sebastian inspired song, and he has the lyric: "Lydia, what did she lack? She had success and style and money. Why seek God when you have perfect purple shoes?" <laughs> I mean, perfect purple <laughs> wow. shoes is the best line in any song I've ever heard. That is good. Uh, and I just want to do a shout out to um, Nick Chambers, who. So, one of my favourite acts is The Tallest Man on Earth, who's this very weird sounding Swedish singer who just records in his bedroom on his phone, as far as I can tell. Does these amazing songs with a strange voice. And Nick took some of, some Augustine and sang it and did a flawless impression. Like, I'm not sure that Nick isn't actually this Swedish rock <laughs> star. <laughs> Uh, who is just who's masquerading as a worship leader somewhere because it was flawless and I loved it. But then what he did was he took it and developed it, fixed a few bits and pieces, and then sang it in his own voice. 
and I just can't. I've had it go around my head. I can't stop singing it. I absolutely love it. Wow. So, um, yeah, Nick. Wow. Thank you for that song because that's now one of my favourite songs. <laughs> Let's, have we got a star of the month? We like every month to recognise the contribution of somebody to society. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, the star of the month is an important important. It's just underneath Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. This. This, year, um, this month, we're going to go for Dan Dartington. He has been everywhere. He's been darting around the comment section of Slack. And with, you know, helpful input. Um, yeah, we were saying before, I don't think there's a song he hasn't commented on. I don't on. think there is. So, no. So, well done, Dan. Start of the month. Woo woo. Woohoo! Yeah. We'll send you a voucher. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose we could. Yeah, we ought to actually. It'd be nice to have a prize for Star of the Month, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, treasures in heaven. Treasures in yeah, that's good. Well, let's have a let's have a little think. Yeah. Mm, okay. yeah. It's time to set a new challenge for the month of June, and the challenge is Ebenezer songs. Great. Well, good luck. We'll see you next time. Is it to do with Scrooge? It is songs inspired by Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Okay, um, cool. And uh, they just at each verse you have to start with the past and then you do the present. And oh, that's interesting. That does actually link a little bit. We'll, we'll explain in a minute. So before we do more to explain Ebenezer songs and what that nonsense is all about, we've got a clip from your rival podcast that shall not yes. be named. Uh, where you somehow worship, Joel. had a really good discussion um, <laughs> between uh, Gemma, Grace and Geraldine. Uh, so let's listen in on that and then uh, we pick up uh, how we're going to set the challenge. I think um, just on that subject, I was uh, saying to Timo just before we chatted that uh, about a week ago we were chatting with his family and his dad was saying, oh, what do you think? Do you think that when, you know, all the restrictions are lifted and whatever happens that needs to happen for us to resume some kind of normality, do you think we're going to be quick to forget that it was like this? Mm. And um, it really made me, well, the con- I hadn't even conceived of the idea of um, forgetting like this life right. because we're in it and it's so yeah, yeah, yeah. raw and difficult. Um, but I was saying to Simo that, that needs to become part of our story. It's like when, yeah. like, it's like when the Israelites were in Egypt and then they were in the desert, and that became part of their story, like that, and their worship. That was in their worship, and that mm. was who they were as a people. Yeah. And I think that this, as much as like every other big thing that happens in your life becomes part of your story this has affected all of us it's not just Mm. a couple of people in one country of the world it's like global Mm. and so it's going to become part of our story as humans and so it needs to be reflected in our music in our songwriting Mm. and so yeah maybe there's not going to be songs that are like titled COVID-19 but there's going to be (laughs) there's going to be like a flavor of we did we went through this thing and it was like it's a, it's the new lamentations do you know what i mean yeah, it's going to be yeah, yeah. it's fuel for mm. songwriting yeah. and those songs then like i think when we're talking about what what can we be doing and to help like grace was saying to help our congregation remember or 
feel this, we need to bring it into our music. We need to mm. write songs about it and yeah. say, God was still there yeah. when we were in this weird time. Yeah. And this is what it looked like then. And this is what it looks like now. But he mm. was the same. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. I think it just needs mm. to become part of the story. Yeah. Have you no, guys think- got songs? Sorry, Grace. No, I just said that. This just has blown my mind, Gemma. Because I just think <laughs> we remember through song and music. Mm. And so there is that challenge, I think, to songwriters mm. to, you know, don't gather every single bit you've done and keep it because yeah. there'll be nuggets there that mm. we'll be able to either sing together or hear or or listen and 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 to sing to my children because I'm just thinking yeah. about Miriam you know when they got through the Red Sea and that amazing hymn of praise she gave but it told the story yeah. of God's salvation mm. and so we, we are going to need those stories that yeah. tell the story it was really bad yeah. <laughs> or, you know it, yeah. it was really bad yeah must yeah. be yeah and but this is this is how we saw saw God move so but you're right so that we 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 remember so I, I want my children are five now and nearly seven. I want them when they're 16, 18 yeah. to remember. Mm-hmm. And they're going to remember that through the songs I will sing over them or the songs they hear in church mm-hmm. in four years' time about this time. Um, and I think, and, and to hear about God's faithfulness. I suppose that's just, a, I'm not a singer songwriter, but that's just a challenge to singer songwriters out, out there to, to, keep, to keep on your trade, people, because yeah. we, we, need, we need you. Um, <laughs> and you're going to be amazingly important for us to not forget thank you Gemma that's really inspired I just wonder if that's um yeah a, a practicing a bit something to practice mm. I think the danger the dangers that we voiced that have to do with will we just go back uh I think yes we will if we mm. don't practice mm. <laughs> and, and you know Kerry and I reading through um Hill Testament and we just we just got to Samuel on Samuel. So this is Samuel and Saul. And I think yesterday we were reading one Samuel 14. And I didn't realise that Samuel um I think Saul had done something another kind of Saulish thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he had done this thing. But at the end of it, Samuel kind of says, no, let me tell you, this is what God did when he brought you out of Egypt and then you came through the wilderness. And then and I, we were like, like I, I didn't know Samuel gave an account. I mean, I knew mm. that Moses did and I knew that David and the others did. But mm. so, again, I just they were practicing. They were doing that mm. remembering things. Mm. It wasn't just leaving it to when it happened in, mm. in the biblical times. It was right no we need to keep repeating this story because we will mm. forget because because mm. our cycle is forgetting mm. and mm. Our, our bent is to forget and so mm. that so to remember we need to practice that 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 um place and so i i um mm. yeah i was just thinking about that in terms of the the whether or not we um how we how we remember, you know, I was just thinking, Gemma, when you said about lamentations, and I think you're right, I think it is in lamentations, but it's mm. also in Psalm 136, it's also wrapped around praise, mm. you know what I mean? So give mm. thanks to the Lord. And you read that, I don't know if you've ever had to read that on Sunday mornings, you know, and you kind of, 
his love is yours forever and you kind of you know the 15th time his love is yours forever and then you get to Og of Bashan because his love is yours forever and then you get to some other scion king of wherever and because his love is yours forever yeah. but then you get back to creation and the sun and the moon oh yeah I get that you made the moon oh yeah because his love is yours forever yeah. but what was that obscure little verse about Og of Bashan you know what I mean and so, but that's again then practicing in praise, yeah. remembering those days when the King Og was passing yeah. them and it was not great. And yeah. so, yeah, that, that place of um, practising. So, yeah, I'm really challenged by what, what you've both said there, Gemma and Grace, in terms of maybe those are the songs that, that we write, songs that encourage us to remember the lament, but also the praise that yeah, wraps yeah, yeah. around remembering. But that also makes me think also daring to be obscure and daring to be local and specific. Yeah. You know, like so many songs are written as if, oh, well, they'll probably get onto YouTube and be massive hits or they'll probably get (laughs) sung at some conference or whatever. Whereas like, what if you're writing a song that is so specific to your congregation Mm. and it names or it, it just hints even at situations and people and it's got the the equivalent of Og of Bashan for your <laughs> yeah. you know, parish or free church or whatever you are, you know. And it only really makes sense for you. Um, but it's, it's, it has struck me in these days, like the we're probably all a little bit sick of those videos that are made up of lots of different musicians from the church kind of all <laughs> recording in their homes, you know. We've seen yeah. lots of those. But I think the thing about those are they're really precious to that community. I don't particularly need to see your community's one, but if my community does it, it means a lot. Yeah. And I think, you know, this songwriting challenge is is a very similar one, is what if we're writing songs? And it doesn't mean anything to the church down the road or the church in America or the... But for us, it says this was our experience in this time. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a clip from the Disrupting Worship podcast, Ooh. available on all Ooh. good podcast <laughs> providers. Uh, where we were chatting, uh, Grace uh, Sentinamu and I were chatting with uh, Geraldine Latty uh, and also uh, Gemma and Timo Shinarski, uh, who are now working for us at Engage. And I just loved that whole conversation where they're talking about, you know, what kind of songs are going to be written out of this experience? And will we dare to be specific? Will we dare to remember? Will we dare to make this pandemic this year year and a half that we've all experienced part of our story in the way that we see in scripture um and partly you know that's partly why we chose amazing grace as well because that that song is such a uh response to his story and his you know as you say sort of autobiography um so what we thought was that we would write some some songs which are in some way inspired by the the journey of this last year and a half or so and and why why are we calling it Ebenezer songs Joel is that yeah so Scrooge? there's a, a story in um one Samuel fourteen no no one something no that's what Geraldine was talking about there's a story somewhere about Samuel um there's, there's an event where basically Israel uh, God says to Israel like, like come on properly follow me put away your Asherah poles and other stuff and I'll look after you so they do and then mm. the Philistines come to attack. And there's this kind of big storm happens and it throws it into chaos. And then the Philistine army is routed and so on, a big victory. And um, Samuel comes back and it says in uh, verse 12, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. And it means stone of help. Mm. And, and it's come to mean a sort of 
um, a marker, the kind of idea of an Ebenezer is a sort of a marker that recognises something happened and God helped us. Yeah. And, and that really suits this idea. It gives us a nifty title, but but you could think of it as a sort of, this would be an Ebenezer song for your church, that we will mm. sing it to say, this happened, it was real, it did matter, we must remember, and God was in it somehow. And that's that would be something for yeah. you to explore. Absolutely. So I want to challenge people. I mean, you can start by just your own reflections. What has God been teaching you? What has God been doing? What are some of the things you've experienced? Uh, you might want to also have a con- conversation with friends at your church or your community about, you know, what is the wider things that God has been doing among us? Um, there may be some tragedies that you want to kind of weave into the into the story or some hardships. Some, um, And I think, you know, you can be as explicit or um, or implicit as you like, really, with how you, you know, I think that the Og of Bashan example is, hey, this is a very, you know, local historical thing that happened. Good. And you may want to have that in your song or you may want to have it slightly more oblique and in the sense that, you know, you talk about it more uh, euphemistically. Uh, but it's really up to you. And, you know, what style of song it is as well, whether it is a kind of praise song of we went through this, but God did this. Mm. That's perfectly legitimate. Or maybe it will be, you know, more of a kind of lament song or a, a song where you're remembering this challenge happened. Or or maybe it's a kind of please, God, help us not forget this that you were teaching us. Yeah. You know, you might say, hey, in this time, what we learned was the church is not the building. Mm. And so maybe that then becomes God keep reminding us, even when we're beyond this pandemic, that the church is not the building or, you know, you, you are there for us in the midst of tragedy or what, whatever it is that you feel you're learning. Mm. I, I have to say, I find this quite an intimidating challenge. So I'm going to guess there might be a few other people who do. Um, and part of it is... I'm, I don't always know how to know what God is doing. You know, when people say, mm. God is doing this, how, what's God teaching? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of, I'm learning things and I I'm trust him and I can't tell you specifically. And I, so I find that quite challenging right. to, to approach it in that way. And I'm thinking maybe I won't, maybe I won't pretend that I've got this great clarity on God's yep. activities maybe instead i will think about the things that i know are true and that he he must be doing or or speak of it maybe more from our perspective of what we learned or endured and how we went on trusting or or something i don't know there's a yeah. that that's a challenge for me and um yeah i mean let's let's see what happens <laughs> um so for this month we've put everybody into groups and uh, your group has about, I don't know, 17, 18 people in it. Um, you've been grouped in Slack. So if you go into Slack, there will be a, a mention in the beginning of the group that has your name and you it will have been added as a channel. So if you look on your channels, you will see, well, I've got all of them because I created them all, but you will see something like June 03B, June Team Newton. And it's going to be named after a hymn writer. So now that you've got that group, the plan for this month is just to operate in there. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing so that you've got an opportunity to interact with a smaller group of people. Um, Even if you can't comment on everyone's songs, you could probably listen to all the songs during the month. Um, 
to kind of in, engage with that. Um, if you really want to listen to stuff by your friends and other things, that's fine too. You can go and do a search in the where it says uh, in the search bit. You can search for files by or messages by so, someone and just put names in, and you can find stuff they've they've done. Um, and it's fine if you end up going off and adding another channel. You can actually, if you if you go to add channel and start with O3B, they'll all pop up, and you could choose and you can pop in, go and see what's going on. But the plan is to just try and do a smaller, slightly more intimate dynamic, and just just see how that works. I think a little bit this month. Um, so we so we mainly do that. But you know, don't I don't want you to feel restricted and constrained in a way you know if you want to go and check out your your favorites do that that's that's absolutely fine but but this is something so we've got to be more of a focus for this month it's gonna be good that's the end of the podcast for this month i have two things remaining to say the first is that we are going to be running um two zoom webinars on computer recording because that's something that's come up quite a lot with people the first one which we're going to run with matt osgood um who does this for a living is the real basics you know what do you need what would you need to buy what's an audio interface what kind of mic do you need how do you plug it in and so on um, it's going to be quite generic we can't possibly hope to cover every possible piece of software but hopefully the generic advice will get you there so that will be the first one and that is going to be on i'm gonna to have to start that again hang on or not start it just jump back in and that is going to be on wednesday the 16th of june at eight o'clock uk time so we'll we'll put this in on the website in the members area and stuff as well. And then on the 7th of July, 8 o'clock UK time, we're going to do the intermediate session, which is going to be moving on from the basics and starting to think a little bit more about EQ, compression, reverb, mixing, these kind of ideas, that the, the little things that just kind of take on to another level. So we thought this would be a really helpful thing to do. Um, and then we're also going to try and find one or two kind of experts on different um platforms who might be willing to 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 let you send the messages and find out you know, how do you do this in logic where's this button in garage band and so on um and then all that remains is to play our featured song for this month which is the song that we wrote for christian aid uh me and the lovely week c and it's called god of all comfort and it goes like this see you later bye your church disturb our slumber move us to action to show your kingdom on the earth make us like Jesus full of your spirit declare